Okay, everybody, here we are. We're here with episode 37. Uh, I'm here with Shug. Shug, how you feeling right now? How you feeling? A little tired, in the middle of moving, but, you know, gotta gotta serve the customers. I feel like the the pusher, man. I gotta gotta serve the streets, you know? Absolutely. Uh, And it's a good thing that we're, we got this episode in because uh, we're going to talk about someone that actually came out uh, last week. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't have an opportunity to talk about it um, for 36. But it's a show that well, we talked about um, before we started doing the show. Uh, it was, you know, it was like a really interesting show. We started watching it. Show actually, you know, turned me on to it. And then obviously 2020 production shut down for a lot of, for everything, uh, pretty much besides like reality and stuff like that, um, for the most part. So HBO's Euphoria uh, came out in 2019. They had an episode that came out uh, just before Christmas, holiday season, early December. And it was completely different than the normal, typical show uh, episode. Yeah. So that was episode one. It was from one person's point of view, one character. Uh, and then they came out with another one last week from someone else's point of view, strictly from their point of view. So that's the part two of the special edition. And we're going to talk about that episode, uh, which is great. You know, we have a lot to talk about that. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, a little baseball. Okay, so this time of year, uh, this is when they do the Hall of Fame of voting. No one Ironically, hey, what was our plan? For- <laughs> yeah, well, what was our plan last year? Probably a year ago, to, uh, this month, we were like, we're going to see Jeter get inducted, man. Let's go up to Cooperstown. Remember that we were saying that? We were yeah. like, we're going to go up there, man. And uh, shit, man. That was going to be a big year for all the guys who we grew up with. Uh, even Kobe. And then, hey, let's not forget a one-year anniversary of Kobe. Yeah. Um, that happened this week as well. So, But also, like, Jeter was supposed to, you know, he was going to be in. Um, we were, you know, they had it, but it wasn't traditional sense. But this year, no, they they postponed it. So they postponed it. Yeah. So the fact that nobody got in uh, this year, if they happen to do it, or if it's you know virtual, um, this year, like at least it won't be clouded with controversy because the highest vote getter of the people who we voted on, we're gonna talk about in this episode. Uh, Kurt Schilling. So Kurt Schilling, he was um, 16 votes shy of making it into the Hall of Fame. And he actually um, told, he actually requested to be taken off the ballot. And the president of the Hall of Fame says it doesn't work like that. They still have to vote on you. So if nobody votes for you, if you ask the writers to not vote for you, and you don't you get zero percentage votes then so be it but there's still your 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 name still needs to be on a ballot and next year i think it's his last year on the ballot but we'll we'll get into him and why he uh why we could speculate he didn't get into the hall of fame and we'll talk about the hypocrisy of the vote Exactly. And it's also like, yeah, it's a different parameters of uh, releasing things at the same, like, well, we're talking about the HBO thing, we're talking about this. It's, uh, things are different now. So also, we're going to talk about, hey, we got the update on The Bachelor. Shug uh, embarked on his adventure into watching The Bachelor, season 25. 
the bachelor this year matt uh you said that you um you kind of like oh i can actually like you know like see myself maybe as a bachelor so i'm gonna start watching it so we're gonna have our weekly update on that uh this week as well and um then we're gonna, that's gonna round up uh, episode 37 and uh we're gonna get this bad boy in yeah let's do it all right so we did promise when we talked about the first um one of these non-season uh euphoria episode specials um with the first one started off with rue which was with um zendaya and um uh domingo coleman and we talked about how great it was, how it was well shot, well written, well directed, well acted. It just checked off all the box. It was um extremely um fulfilling if you're a fan of the show. Um, which me and and, and Mike are. Um and we did promise that we would when the second of the two episodes came out discuss it so the second episode is featuring jules uh who you know we discussed it we, we discussed her um at some length in the last episode where we discussed euphoria but just in case you didn't watch that one uh jules is actually transgender uh she's a transgender woman so this is a man who this was a person who was born male and then transitioned into being female. Um, and this one actually was a, um, actually took, took place during a therapy session. And the episode was about what, like 40 minutes long. So it kind of lasted 45 minutes long. So it kind of lasted as long as like a therapy session goes um i know because i've actually seen like psychiatrists and stuff and had my own um you know sessions mike i don't know if you ever um had therapy but they're usually like you know 45 minutes you just you know talk talk about your life and get your head strong and you come you come out a better person for getting a lot of things that you know you got bottled in off your chest so mike but and that was a perfect opportunity to have like uh because when we talked about part one which the link is in the video uh and if you're on listening on audio we'll have the link for the that as well um what i saw Rue's thing as was kind of like uh you go to a diner diner is like the it's like it's like a bar because you have a wait, waitress hey how you doing like they know all about you and like you like just like talk to them and it's like much like a bar and so people who have addictions and people uh who are now in um recovery that's a you know you get coffee you drink coffee you drink smoke and drink coffee that was like the diner thing so she uh rue had a one-on-one uh with her um uh you know the person she talks to you know like the uh Harley. her sponsor yeah, but who, sponsor yeah so that's like her, you know, that's their therapy and it was in a different environment. And then this is kind of like, uh, you know, Jules version of it and um, very, very, very similar in that sense. Um, you know, and 
uh, it just it had the opportunity. It was great because, you know, just talking in the 2020 sense is you couldn't have too many people on set. You couldn't have too many uh, talent on set. So basically this was like a, a play. It was like a, a monologue almost. And you filmed, you could film Jules the whole time. Uh, you know, uh, Hunter Schaefer, by the way, the yeah, actor that, you know, portray, portrays Jules. Yeah. Uh, very good. Uh, she's an activist. Uh, this is the first acting role she's had. And, uh, but before that, she was like a model. Like she was like, she's, the first thing is a model, uh, trans model, you know, an activist, trans activist and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was very similar, like where, you know, you, like when we watched the one with Rue, it's like, where are you going to go? Like this is a person that's like, they, they, they've been there. They have some, they can uh, give you information uh, about, just like let just just let the shit out and then you know see what happens but with this this uh episode this special episode it like it kind of like went through like more because like they use the the tool the device of the um of therapy to straight up just ask you hey so what happened here it's kind of like if you have like a, a bar scene and like you're able to like just let stuff out that's a device they use in like screenplay so uh the therapist asked her asked her like what happened in the last you know whatever whatever and then she basically kind of explains the fills in the holes that happened in season one and um like it goes from the beginning all the way and then they talk about the halloween episode in season one if for those that watch the season one mm-hmm. yeah so basically it was basically like this character um had a, like a deep well of their own story but we didn't really get to feel that and it was a great way and, you know a great excuse to use uh to use this as a way to explore and create this character now this character is pretty much like top on the same level i think you know like top with like a top character yeah. that i i want to know more about it you know yeah she's, she's you know like I mean? the lead She's the lead along yeah. with like Zendaya. Um, but yeah, like I'm a big fan. Like, I, I, I have some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Let me ask you some things. So when we talked about part one, the episode one, we said that it looked like a fairy tale, right? Or a dream? Yeah, a little bit. Do you notice that the, the music was like, the, the music was like uh, fairy tale music a little bit. Did you notice that? Like yeah. Fiddles and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's been and a while it, since yeah, I've seen then, that. So I, I got to like my. Okay memory of so it. the score the score was a lot of like you know like very um something if you ask someone to like make hey go out there and do a fairy tale uh play mm-hmm. you would have the fiddles and all that and that's what it had and then they showed the they have a quick uh throwback to the halloween episode where she's dressed kind of like a, as a fairy then it was like a fairy, like an uh, angel or fairy. Well, I thought she was dressed as like Claire Danes in um, Romeo she, and Juliet. That's what I thought. That's, that's funny. You know why? Because uh, Jules reminds me of Claire Danes. Like, mm-hmm. just, I, I was like, oh, yeah, hey, that's that's interesting. Yeah, but uh, I saw a lot of different things used throughout the like 45 minute episode. Did you notice anything they used with like the setting and the, the set? I noticed that they use a lot of doors and windows. Did you notice that? 
Oh yeah, like the staircase yeah. and looking down. Like she was kind of like looking down on her mom and her dad. Kind of like looking down on both of them. Like looking down on her dad for like accepting the mom back in her life, back in her life, and then looking down on her mom just in general. Her like whole outlook on her mom because I think her mom was like an alcoholic or she was on drugs or something like that. Well, she's in recovery. As same with her. You know, girlfriend. Yeah. Or, so or it's, it's kind of like potential partner. So it's kind of like that. Um, thing. It's kind of like that. Like, I, I mean, I don't want to get too, I don't know, like psych major, but it's kind of like that Oedipus complex. You kind of like look for the um characteristics from your mom in your um significant other, and I think that that's mm-hmm. perhaps what happened with um with her and 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 um Rue. Yeah, well, that they, they touched upon that uh, early on in the episode about um, uh, Jules says um, basically they never say the word, but like unconditional love. Basically, like she looked at me the way a mother looks at her baby, like with you know, because like uh, obviously a trans, I don't know, and then, you know, a trans person like you have you cho- like it's kind of like a that's why I brought up Halloween too. It was like you like uh you want to be who you want to be and everyone else says you're not this but you have to show that you are this mm-hmm. and it's like a whole double you know like there's a thing where oh this is what it means to be a man this means to be this uh, but it's more uh fluid with what it means like what you what you what you see yourself as as what others see you see you as that's what, where jules's character is which is very autobi- autobiographical yeah that's why it was actually co-written by the actor uh, Hunter Schaefer also wrote the episode too. Yeah, and I like, the episode. Uh, uh, wasn't it kind of like brought up in the episode that she she was thinking about um transitioning back, like she was gonna stop taking like her, her hormones or something like that. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I said. I was kind of confused about. Yeah, yeah. So I read it, I read up on uh, 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 Hunter Schaefer. Uh, she said that. Um, that she identifies as a lesbian, even though she's she's a male to female transgender per, uh, person, but she identifies as a lesbian. Mm-hmm. So it's like she's with you know she wants you know she's with women. So I wanted to say about the whole thing with you mentioned stairwells, stairways, doors, windows. Um, I feel she- like every single scene was about that. It had they used that and. Um, and then, and then the one thing about like the door was it kind of ended the episode with, um, going kind of ha- had that on parallel to the original episode with Rue, where Rue goes in the bathroom and she does her drugs, while um, Jules is out in their um fantasy of living together while like Jules is in college, and in Jules's episode she comes home. And like Rue ODs on the bathroom floor and she's locked out of the door. And I think that was kind of like some kind of like symbolism. Yeah, yeah. And then like uh, the light underneath the door, there's mm-hmm. a scene. Yeah, there's a not a scene, but there's a moment where like it's flashing back and forth. Um, but yeah, like uh, you should watch part one and two at the set. You should watch them both, obviously. 
Uh, and then part one is in a diner, which is a typical classic diner. It is completely glass. You just you can see everyone. You, you anywhere you go in the diner, like outside, you see in. And then this was all like closed. It was a private, you know, you know, first off it was in a therapy session. Also, it was um locked doors. Um, only time that you go out through a window or you see a window is in like a in a moment of like, like it was like a sexual moment, like a moment of like you know, like uh, suspending your uh, like fears and like you're just let loose. That's the only time like you went, they went through a window. Did you show that in a fantasy? They showed it and so like basically doorways and hallways and stairwells, uh, they used a lot, which was great. Uh, but also it's because it's, it's almost like a play, um, both one and two, they feel like a play to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were able to utilize that, but also with the, you know, with film filming it, they were able to, you know, screw your mind up with like the fact that Jewel says like, oh, I feel like all, all my relationships are like in my head, you know, like they're all in my head, you know, they don't yeah, actually yeah. happen. And they played you know? out like her um, texting with somebody, like, I guess like a Tinder match and like, a relationship in her head with like that person like she was talking on on like a dating site or something like that yeah and that was that's like a really good uh i guess you would call that a um, smash cut i think back and forth of like she like basically they're implying that uh jules feels that responsible or obligated to watch out for rules like sobriety Mm -hmm. And, and that's the same exact thing that they were saying about her with her mother um there's a way in a way they're saying that basically um she was, was responsible for kind of like her mother's stability too um uh, not uh, subconsciously yeah I know. there's this moment where when she looks down she's gone she leaves you know and, and, and then the father's like what typical you know and it wasn't really said know. in the episode but if you watch the first season of Euphoria, um, it seemed like the father was supportive of Jules making that transition from male to female, um, whereas the mother wasn't, and that kind of made them. It kind of broke her family up. And I yeah, guess, so that's a that's a huge yeah that's a that's a heavy thing to deal with, you know. Yeah, so, so basically, so that's another. So that's another reason why she was resentful towards her mother. Yeah, so I think this is pretty much setting up. Uh, there, there, the season two is going to happen. Uh, I think it's happening in the summer. They're they're filming yeah. it now. I think. I need, is that what you heard? Yeah, man. Like, I, I need some Alexa to me in my life again. Like, hmm. I'm I, I'm Pookie. And I, I think I, I I put out the meme. I'm gonna send it to you, Mike, so you can put it on <laughs> on, on this when you put it on video. But yeah, like she she's crack, and I am Chris Rock as Pookie in New Jack City. Like she's calling me, she's calling me. No, it's really good though that they were able to. I thought they would keep going. They could. They, who else could they have had? Like, uh, what other characters could have fleshed out forty see, minutes? And see, um, that's that's another. That's thing. the point. They could. Uh, that's another thing with me is like I kind of wish like 
maybe I, I wish it was somebody else besides like Jules. No offense to Jules. Like I love Jules. I think Jules. Oh man, I, I'm a, I I I thought it was an amazing performance. Yeah, and then I you said it. you said oh, this I was is, a huge fan. You said this is her first acting gig. Like she's amazing. Like give her everything. Mm. Like she's amazing. But I just like to me in comparison, especially after like that first episode. Like this, this one to this one to me was like boring. Like I, I remember I told you, Mike. I was like I watched it when it came out on Friday, and like I was watching it, and I was on my phone, and it had so many moments where I was just kind of like zoning out from the episode, and then like something was said, and I was like, oh, all right, let me rewind back, and then like the episode was like 40 minutes long and it actually took me like an hour to watch it because I had to keep rewinding because it was really like slow pace. It wasn't as like engaging as that last episode. Um, which is That's interesting. Just, yeah, which That's is interesting. Which I is disappointed, I like I said, because I, I, I'm really like interested in like the Jewels character. I mean, especially, um, you know, we talk about representation a lot on the show. Like we're going to get ready to talk about the bachelor a little bit um and represent re- representation matters and it's like for people like you know me and mike born male we live our lives as male and you know stuff like that we're not familiar with like you know and we're straight so we don't know like the lgbt um the trials and tribulations they go through we just hear about them but kind of to see them like depicted on a show like this and it's like a character like you could relate to it's not like you know where some people they'll see like an episode with jewels or they would see an episode of a show with like a gay character or a trans character and just like be like all right i'm fast forwarding through this part i don't care but yeah you know, yeah but like did you notice something i don't know if, mm-hmm. yeah keep going I, I think, i'm sorry no i'm just saying like with somebody like jewels where it's like they're so interesting and you just see how like unfair it is like you know a lot of stuff like didn't even get covered in this episode that happened in the season such as like the stuff with Nate and Nate's dad and um Nate kind of basically blackmailing her and stuff like that and if nobody watches the show Nate is like the worst dude like ever um He's like a fragile guy that like takes you know he's he's a quintessential bully, but they take it to a next level. And actually, to me, they made like the bully in a show realistic because it ain't like it shows you how broken of a person he is inside and how he lashes out to the people around him. Um, but that's a story for another day when they drop a season two. Maybe we'll do a recap and we could talk about everybody. But these two episodes, they specifically focus on Jules and Rue. That's literally like the only people from the show that you saw in any of these two episodes besides Ali and Jules' dad. So, Mike, you were saying? Yeah. Um, did you notice? Um, I, I don't know. if Because like whenever they say like on, because again, this is like a Gen, Gen Z uh centric too as well because we're you know there's people in the teenagers and all that one generation below us uh up until now like what's the one thing they would say about like a white male white straight male cis male well it's for you know i first heard about that through south park you know the whole thing mm-hmm. but this they always say like 
mansplaining, right? Yeah. Man spreading. You notice Jules has her legs spread the whole time on the on the while she's doing her therapy session. Ah, is that yeah, intentional? I, I, I kind of noticed that. I don't know if it was intentional that, or not. I don't know what that means. Hey, film class, you just throw shit out there and people are like, oh, like, I was make, I'm just saying what I saw. But it's weird. Like I was like, okay, all right. I was like, okay. Yeah. It like it like weird. Um not weird, just like interesting. Um, maybe, maybe that's the um that was part of her trying to like detransition because that's the one that, thing because you know yeah. uh, that's the one thing people talk about like man spreading on the train like it looked like she was on a subway right yeah you know what I mean Cause I've so heard also because because I mean like you know like every time I'm seeing something about like man spreading I'm like all right well we actually have like shit that dangles and it needs like the area to like thing and um jules mentions that she has balls like she, she's pre-op i guess you would call it. i know i think I know yeah and i think like the hormones they actually make your, your testicles smaller yeah but she's you know it still has them so basically yeah. that's what they say like why men do that whatever um i just thought that was interesting I didn't even think about that until you said it. So it's it, perhaps, perhaps. Well, uh, Sam Levison? Maybe it's Sam um, Levison. Yeah, and when I said Sam Levison, I thought it was like the dude from uh, Freaks and Geeks. Oh, uh, uh, oh, that guy, yeah. Boxers, like, I thought, like, because yeah. his name's Sam Levison, too. Um, no, I think he had fun with this because he was like, all right, I have money. I have a budget. Let me do something. I have a small crew. You know, he he did he went all out he did like a freaking uh film school thing with the first thing where it's just like the the flicker of your eyes like it was like uh jules eyes it was just like flickers and uh the whole point is that it's like jules was saying that it's like she constantly thinks about how they people see her you know how they see her so she has all these like layers and stuff and um so my my last thing i will say about um about this episode is like since they started off in a therapy session everything she, everything Jill said could be complete bullshit because she was nervous or whatever and just it could be just shit she made up because she said all her relationships are in her head yeah it could just be just the, you know what i mean shy guy you know it was like a shy guy text thing mm-hmm. it's just things in her head you know and yeah. that's hey uh and they show uh they show her as obviously like a like a 10 year old sent to somewhere uh i'm assuming that the mother sent her sent her sent her somewhere no she was cutting herself to recabulate no she what? was like she was she was suicidal she was suicidal she was cutting herself yeah that's why they sent her away yeah oh as a kid yeah yeah oh that wasn't the thing okay yeah but like uh yeah so um they're supposed to be like what like 17 right characters mm-hmm. yeah 17 Pretty much 18, like, yeah yeah but i think yeah, she's, yeah. she's i think she's 18 because i saw the whole thing with nate because remember that's what nate was blackmailing her with that i think he was 17 and she was 18 oh right sending the oh yeah, yeah sex yeah. and stuff like that and he was like oh like i'm gonna get you for like kitty porn or whatever whatever um but yeah the last thing i'm gonna say is like you know coming from ace now so if i'm wrong like anybody listen to this, us, you know, trans or part of the LGBT 
NFT community. You could, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the takeaway I got from it is just like the whole episode and Jewel's whole arc is just this um conflict. Um, and I think it's like a conflict that all like trans um people probably have where it's like people are telling you what they're what you're supposed to be and you're trying to be what you feel you're supposed to be and I mean we're living in a world where um I think um the lady from Pennsylvania um that's trans and Joe Biden the president Joe Biden appointed her as part of like the the health commission because she was basically running shit in Pennsylvania and like just killing it and like there was a lot of like disparaging things being said about her from like the um right wing conservative people um you know being disrespectful not um addressing her with the correct pronouns and stuff like that so as a society I think you know we're um at least some of us, we're, we're understanding what, what goes on. Um, I want to say understanding what's going on in the trans community. We're starting to, like, understand their struggles. And that's, that's great because, you know, uh, any kind of, like, um, discriminated group of people, like, that's the first step. People outside your community have to, like, understand you so that they could empathize with you. Yeah, so this week annual event we wait and and in anticipation to see who which one of our heroes makes it into the hall of fame or at least people we follow throughout their career and like mike you know it's getting to that point um actually it's been like at that point over like this last decade that guys getting into the hall of fame are actually guys that i've watched play either in person or I've seen um on TV and stuff like that. Um but one person I actually didn't see play in person, but he did play I've seen him play plenty of times because uh he was part of one of the biggest heartbreaks of our lives. You know, the Yankees losing the two thousand one World Series and he was also part of one of my biggest heartbreaks, which we discussed on an early episode, the 2004 Boston Red Sox. And that person I'm talking about is Kurt Schilling, who is actually the highest vote getter of this um, year's ballot, making 71% of the vote, um, which didn't reach the 75% um, required for um election to the hall of fame and um so how this um hall of fame balloting works is that you in order to get a hall of fame vote you have to have been covering a team for 10 years um actually or writing about baseball professionally um for an accredited um, news source for 10 years or you would have to have been a member of the Baseball Writers Association of America for 10 years and 
you get a ballot where you have to, they give you like a list of names of players who've either been on a ballot for several years um, or just joined the ballot um, this year. And you get to choose 10. Uh, if you make less than 5% of the vote, you're after your first year, you're left off the ballot. And a player stays on a ballot for 10 years. So this has been um, Kurt Schilling's 10th year. So since he was denied entry this year, he's been obviously denied entry over the past several years, he has stated that he would like to be taken off the ballot. And he said this statement. I'm at a point now where I don't want to go through this again. I made peace with this a long time ago in understanding who wielded the gavel, who made the judgment. You're talking about a group who is 85% white and 90% male, and they're lecturing me on diversity and racism and all the things that go with that. The writers who know me know the things they're writing aren't true and yet they still write them. Um, and what he's alluding to is what we actually talked about um, in a previous episode of Black Seas about um, where we talked a little bit about Kershaw's, uh political leanings, where he is actually like extremely right-wing. Um, he's had tweets that had to have been uh, removed, reported and removed from Twitter for being transphobic, homophobic, Islamophobic, um, racist. Anti-science. Anti-science. Anti-science as well. Yeah. Anti-evolution. Yeah, and um, also, um, he was very, very uh, condescending in 2001 to the people of New York City. And people just gloss over that. He was a real... Do you remember the, the, the interviews he did uh, when they, before and after they won the World Series? Very, very... It was very, very... Uh, I'll pull him up. I'll pop him up on this. Uh, very, very just disrespectful. Like, uh, basically, because like, who, who lives in New York City? Very diverse, diverse people, right? Yeah. So it was a very, very, and it was right after 9-11. That's all I'm going to say. I'll, I'll just show the video. Yeah, so and he, he was very supportive of um, Donald Trump and his administration. You know, he showed up at MAGA rallies. He campaigned for Donald Trump, stuff like that. Um, but what rubbed a lot of these writers the wrong way was you know in light of like the riots at the u.s capitol he was actually very um supportive of the people who rioted and who stormed the capitol building and you know took part in the anarchy or anarchy that took place on january 6th and a lot of writers actually requested tried to get their ballots back because they already voted for him. So what I'm going to talk about here is Kurt Schelling himself. And I'm also going to talk about the whole voting process because I also discussed in a previous episode of the Black Seeds when we discussed the life and career of Hank Aaron, 
where you know these people actually there's people that actually didn't vote for Hungarian. I think like when it comes to a certain thing like the Hall of Fame, it's like you're either a Hall of Fame or you're not. And what happens with the Hall of Fame a lot of times is they'll be like, oh, like this person's a Hall of Famer. Um this person is a Hall of Famer, but they're not a first ballot Hall, Hall of Famer, so they won't vote for them on the first year. Or a lot of them would say, like, well, I definitely know, like, a whole bunch of people are going to vote for this guy, so let me use his spot, Um, use my vote instead of using it for him. I'm going to use it for, like, another guy. And it's just astounding because um, up until Mariano Rivera a few years ago, nobody went in unanimously. Um, Derek Jeter missed it by like two votes or one vote, I think, um, a unanimous election. So the voting process is flawed. Um, and everybody brings up like the character clause in or the character of a player shouldn't be held against them so it's kind of astounding because it's like all right so you're telling me if mike trout um retired and he had like 500 home runs 3,000 hits um let's assume at some point he wins the world series but he like you know goes to a dog shelter and kills like 30 dogs like we're just supposed to ignore that um and apparently that's what a lot of these people are saying but at the same time they're talking about um a lot of the a lot of lead up to the writing and it's usually like the older writers and not really the younger writers like holding pd uses whether suspected pd uses admitted pd uses um, people who have um, tested positive for PD use, like they'll hold a lot of shit against them. But in my opinion, I feel like steroids is kind of like a character thing because um, it's, it's something what, what it's something that you choose to do. And if you chose to do it after like 2005, after like, the Mitchell report and they started testing for steroids, then shame on you. You shouldn't be in a hall of fame. So that's the case against like Alex Rodriguez, Manny Ramirez, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but at the same time, it's like, um, there's a lot of players who've been suspe- suspected of steroid use that, were put up great numbers, but you know, Mike, you've you've seen the Mitchell report, right? Or you're aware yes. of it? And I've seen many uh yeah, I'm aware of it and I know I've seen the reports about it and all the yeah. and it's like two hundred names and only like a handful of them were like all stars. And and when I say all stars, I mean like guys that made like a all star game or two and maybe right. like <laughs> one to five of them were like superstars this dude's trying to keep a fucking job you know so when they're hurt and then they get threatened they start you know trying to that's for the most part a lot of them um a lot of the guys who got popped right yeah so a lot of them were just like you know it's, it's very um it's, it's like an object, objective thing because they never really 
kid about, about steroids and I always thought it's kind of weird that Bud Selig, he's in the Hall of Fame, but his claim to fame is bringing baseball back or weathering baseball back through the 1994 baseball strike. But one of the things that made baseball popular was because people started hitting like these outrageous amounts of home runs. So you're telling me the guy that, you know, kind of captain the ship for baseball to, you know, weather the storm, um, you put him into the Hall of Fame and that's fine. Um, you kind of ignore how he got there. You kind of ignore the captain of the boat, but you don't ignore like the guys who are rowing which were all of these guys doing steroids, all of these guys who were suspected of doing steroids, the Barry Bonds, the Mark McGuire's, the Sammy Sosa's, the Alex Rodriguez's, Rafael Palmero, like all of these dudes. And it's another thing that Schilling used to bring up too, because his claim to fame was, oh, I had to pitch against all of these guys and I accomplished all this shit that I accomplished. And, um, the other thing with the voting process is, like I said, you had to have been covering baseball for 10 years or you had to have been part of the Baseball Writers Association for 10 years. So let's put down this perspective, Mike. Okay. I didn't even know where you're going with this. So that means, like, if you began, um, if you just got a job writing baseball in 2010, only now you'd get a vote in 2021 or 2020. Um, do you think in 2010 going back, there were a lot of black people, black writers, Latino writers, um, women, uh, gay or trans writers? Like, do you think it was very diverse? Man, I think that shit started, you know, I think it was just pushed more so in the last decade. So I think going forward in the next 10 years, you're going to see a completely different class, you know, of ideas. Yes. And we, what I thought you were going to bring up was that people were buddy friends with these people, you know? Yeah. Oh, you know, like if you're a beat writer, you're friends with them and you're going to, you're going to gloss over the imperfections and you're just going to go, but look at the numbers. Look at the numbers, you know? Yeah, I'm actually going to bring um, that point up in a second. Um, that you, you but know. ironically, ironically, Kurt Schilling brings that up. He brought that up. He goes, he he brought it up in a way where he's kind of like pointing fingers at other people. He's like, well, there were, you know, he said, um, look at ESPN. Like, I, I worked with them and they were the most not diverse. And this is, you know, he worked there until uh, almost 10 years ago, 2014. It's like they were, I've heard the most disgusting things from those people. You know, they're not diverse, and they're 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 saying the stuff about me. And he's basically saying like, uh, it's kind of like going back and forth. Like you say like one thing, and then you say the other thing. So then it kind of like negates it, and then people just are all like, all right. So you know, like that's kind of what like that's like a Fox News because I I, I I see Fox News as a Fox News move where like you say one thing and then bring something else up there and then it negates it and you're just like all right so what's your point uh, i don't have a point i'm just bringing up two different things you know that, that's kind yeah. of the thing. so 
like my, point, yeah, my point in bringing that up was that you know probably you know if you had to have been covering baseball for 10 years obviously with like the oscars and all these different type of things where all of a sudden now you know the the trendy thing to to do now is now try to become representative whereas um back then they weren't trying to do that sure they had your um you know handful of diverse writers and thus diverse voters but for the grand scheme of things these were things were voted on by you know straight white guys and a lot of them were older and from not like you know 50s 60s and 70s generation um where the things that Kurt Schilling does or says or says you could kind of be like oh well you know I, I, I you know it's bad it's bad, but you know you kind of gotta ignore that. Like I have to ignore it. Like he, I gotta look at what he accomplished on the field, and it's just kind of like wow. It's like all right. So you're telling me if a guy hit like 600 home runs and had 3,000 hits, um, but he like murdered, and and you could say like he did it cleanly, and he won like two World Series, but he like murdered his like family. He like Chris Benoit's family. Um, you're telling me you could ignore that shit okay. because he could accomplish all this stuff on on um he, he accomplished all this stuff on a baseball field. Like, what are you gonna do? Have his um his 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 Hall of Fame ceremony be um satellite broadcast from like Rikers? Like, it, it's crazy, and that's that's what these guys are saying because um this caused a stir um last night yesterday um Bob Ryan. You know Bob Ryan, right? Bob Ryan, he's still around. Exactly. Jesus and guess what? Christ. And guess what? He has a Hall of Fame vote. He says, yeah. in response to Kurt Schilling basically lambasting the writers, and he's one of these white writers that I guess um Kurt Schilling was um you know put on blast, and he felt some type of way. So he says, "Hey, Kurt." What Hall of Famer said 12 Swiss Jewish bankers ruled the world, the last eight U.S. presidents were traitors, and AIDS was hatched in a Maryland lab in order to kill gays and blacks and still got 95.82% of the vote. The answer, Steve Carlton. P.S. I voted for him and for you. And it's like, okay. Like, what was your point? Like, you you voted for two god awful people to get into the Hall of Fame. So he actually like backspace. Oh shit! Let me let me copy and paste. I fucked that up. Like he actually did a that's a long tweet. And it's funny because it's still up. Like he ain't even like deleted. I thought that. he was gonna insult him. Yeah, he 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 got ratioed. Like, I mean, it's it's crazy. Um. I actually not by a lot, but you know, I, like in response to that, I said, I'm sorry, dog. But if Kurt Schilling said half the shit, Schilling oh. or apparently Steve Carlton said, I wouldn't vote for any of them for the Hall of Fame. All right. So now you're going to bring up the it's a morality clause, is what they call it. Morality clause. Well, morality or character clause. That's the character clause. So basically, the character clause is the one that, that's kept on. Um, 
you know, Shoeless Joe Pete Jackson, Rose. Pete Rose, uh, like, those yeah, people are all the fame. Like, all right, that's that's where where characters call into question. Like, okay, but like being a decent human being isn't. All right, so we're talking about someone's career, and then Chris Schilling, you know, he he was a Philly, right? He was in the, in the early '90s, and he was like he had a long career. Uh, but let's talk about way back. We're gonna. I, I'm afraid I'm, I'm, I don't want to bring this up because I know it's a long time ago, but uh, way back, way back in early January 2021, Kurt Schilling said to sit back and watch folks start a confrontation for what matters, the rights, you know, insurrection. He was pro-insurrection. That's all I'm saying. Two weeks ago. Two weeks yeah. ago. All right. Yeah. So this guy, they shut the fuck up. Good Lord. Mm. Yeah, and, um, Mike, you brought up the thing where it's like these guys that were voting people like they were buddy buddy with, right? So Jim Rice, also a guy, made his career in Boston. Um, you know, Kurt Schilling played in Boston. Um, obviously not as long as Jim Rice. Jim Rice spent his whole career with the Red Sox. So I said about these Hall of Fame voters. I said, this is the same voting group that kept Jim Rice, a dude that saved a child during a game in uniform out of the Hall of Fame until his last year on the ballot because he hated talking to the media. And I should have the picture. You know, it's a, it's a famous picture of him carrying a kid. I think a foul ball hit a kid in um left field where he was playing, and he rushed into the stands and carried the kid into the trainer's room so he could get medical attention. And he had some great stats. He won the AL MVP in 1978. Like, he he was a Hall of Famer, and they kept him out because he had a very adversarial relationship with the media. So it's just, you know, this whole thing is just about the voting process and how it kind of, like, screwed a lot of people, but I don't think it's screwed Kurt Schilling. And another thing with Kurt Schilling, me, all biases aside, I don't even think I personally would vote Kurt Schilling into the Hall of Fame. Like, I've even said for years, I personally wouldn't vote Pete Rose into the Hall of Fame, not because he's gambling. I just thought, like, he's the all-time hit leader because he played forever. Like, the man played from, like, 19... 19- well, he, yeah, he was a... <laughs> He was a player coach, you know. Like, come on. He he played no, from like nineteen. Like, no, I I would. He played yeah. from like nineteen sixty three to like nineteen eighty six. The man played like almost thirty years. Like, yeah, he uh, didn't play for a couple of years though because he was uh he was in the uh, he was like a coach and then he went back out and he started playing again. But I'm gonna say this: I know people are gonna be like, "Why are you talking about sports?" You know, oh yeah, uh, you're talking about oh who cares about the Hall of Fame? He has uh, political aspirations. That's why we have to bring this up, right? Oh, he has aspirations to be in Congress. No, well, uh, Kurt Schilling. Oh, uh, perhaps, yeah, could be. No, he, no, he, he, he openly is, is saying it. He lives, he still lives in Massachusetts, um, but he's from like Arizona, so he would be for Arizona. Uh, Arizona, you don't have to live there. Uh, there's no like, there's you don't have to live there for a certain amount of time uh, to run. Um, so. You know, it's more than just a public figure. It's more than just sports. If someone's going to try, as we can see, that people don't care about someone storming, not someone, but an army of people storming 
uh, you know, the institution, you know, this guy, oh, I know Kershaw, I'll vote for him. Boom, I know this guy, yeah. You know, and then you, know, you see outrageous shit, become a meme. Well, she's retweeted so many memes. You become a meme. You know, oh, Bernie Sanders now would probably win presidency if he, because of the meme. Oh, yeah, I know that guy. He's a funny, he's a funny old man. Let's vote for him. You know, yeah, it's like people I think are just... Also, the, the Hall of Fame, because, you know, that's all they're going to say, like Hall of Fame or Kurt Schilling. It's like um Tuberville from Alabama. He won a Senate seat and he's like an idiot. But, you know, back to mm-hmm. Kurt Schilling's like stats, you know, the thing people hold against Andy Pettit from him being in the Hall of Fame. Andy Pettit, I think in 2002, he had an elbow injury and he used HGH in order to recover quickly. And this was before they tested for it. This is before the shit was illegal. So, and he was actually giving it to one of the snitches from the, um, Congressional hearings and the Mitchell Report, Brian McNamee, who was um, Roger Clemens' trainer, and that's how Roger Clemens and his family, because Roger Clemens' wife was also involved in the whole thing. Um, but you know, the AGH thing is like, you know, if you even if you ignore the fact that Kurt Schilling is a walk-in shit bucket, which is what I tweeted. Andy Pettit won 40 more games in fewer seasons, and he only lost seven more games than Kurt Schilling. He won two more World Series, and he pitched in three more World Series than Kurt Schilling did. And he, I know as of his retirement, I'm not sure if he still is. I think he still is, but he was the all-time leader in postseason wins for a pitcher. Um, And they didn't vote for him for the Hall of Fame because he did HGH once, and that's like the only black stain on his career. Um, and my thing is the absurdity of it all. Kurt Schilling, the voting, um, everything. It just doesn't make sense because I'm. It's like they're basically saying a dude could be debated as to whether or not he's a Hall of Famer if he's a neo-Nazi, anti-gay church member and he won 200 games and a couple of like big playoff games but if a cool non-controversial dude that won like 270 games but you know did like hgh once to heal an injury or something like that when it was uh i want to say legal but it was like frowned upon um you know, you 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 can't vote for that guy. So it's a it's a big hypocritical thing, and I think it's one of the things, especially when baseball is trying to do this thing where they're trying to be like popular. Um, and that's why I kind of say like if you watch like the NBA and like their following, it's like a young group of just like stat nerds, and they're annoying as hell. And there's you know, it, it, a lot of their shit gets, like, stupid. I'm not going to get into that because it's a baseball show. But I think if you switch, mm-hmm. like, if if baseball starts to get that kind of, like, crowd and, like, you moved away from, like, the Bob Ryans of the world and you kind of, like, switch to, like, um the fan graphs and, you know, the, the, the young guys writing about baseball, you know, that's where baseball would start to thrive. But... You know, somebody like Kurt Schilling, 
I don't think they're Hall of Fame, and I don't think like to me it's it's like they're kind of on the fence. And when you kind of have the character that he is, where he's you know anti-Muslim, anti-gay, anti-trans, um, racist towards immigrants and shit like that, like you're making um a case for yourself not to be a Hall of Famer, um. And I think the, the the other thing I also tweeted, I was like, if anything, the fact that people like Kurt Schilling, um, and I talk about him a lot on the show, um, Hater from the Milwaukee Brewers, where it's like, they, he said a whole bunch of racist shit in high school, but he, he gets like applauded when he like returns, even though there's no kind of like serious change in his life as to his change in attitude and stuff like that. To me, I think baseball is just breeding like a whole new generation of just like racist assholes. So I think when you start punishing people like Kurt Schilling and you start punishing people like Hader or any of these other dudes where like either they, they're saying things online that are insensitive or they've done things in the past and sensitive, but they never atone for them. Like it'll, it'll, um, it'll breed a better generation of, of baseball players. Cause that's another thing I think would have to do with the popularity of the sport. Like these guys got to come in here and like, you can't be a racist smug asshole and just assume like a fan base is, is going to be built around you. Like, we're in this progressive generation where, like, stuff like that we don't want. And it's just not, like, you being you. And that's the other thing. Like, it's like, oh, well, that's just him. Like, no, dude. Like, you're a jerk. Like, and if you've accomplished all of these great things on a baseball field, like, you should um, carry yourself with a sense of class. Like, Donald Trump never carried himself with a sense of, cl- a sense of class. Good segue. Can I say, so Trump, he didn't go to the inauguration, right? No. Schilling, shits on MLB, shits on the Hall of Fame, and people like him will shit on it and say it's not worth it. I don't want to be there. Fuck it. I don't want to be, I don't want to be anything. I don't want it's bullshit anyway. I don't want to be a part of it. So let's leave. Let's drain a swamp. Let's, let's leave this. You know, who cares? That's the whole thing. Because you get you, you, it's that old ad advertisement of the uh, the Australian advertisement of the guy who comes in there and he's like drunk, he gets kicked out of the party, and you see him later on in the outskirts crying because he's like, you know, he's like drunk and stuff. You get you're gonna get kicked out of the party because the party guests don't like you anymore, you're yeah. not welcome anymore, mm-hmm. you know. So basically, so you're gonna shit on, so you want to be a part of a thing. Oh, so Chris Schelling goes, Oh. I don't do, take me off the ballot. I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to be involved in this anymore. Because why? Because you're not you're not welcome. Yeah. So like, now, let me first say I don't want there. I don't yeah. want to be there anymore. Yeah, and you can't separate the person from the the stats. I mean, you know, we celebrate Hank Aaron because Hank Aaron accomplished great things on a baseball field, and he was a stand up person off the field. Like nobody, uh, uh, except for like the few assholes, when Hank Aaron went on a ballot for the Hall of Fame, the the the, the like few 
Dot tried to be like um detractors, but overall, like you've seen the amount of love like he got when he um retired. You've seen like the amount of love Ken Griffey got, um, all of these guys. Like I think like I know A-Rod won't ever get in, but he still seems like a like a cool dude. But you know, people hate him. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's, I think it's he's happy being in Hollywood. Yeah, he's fine. He's happy. I mean, I was attacking uh, all that energy was towards showing and the like. Okay, everything else is positive. It was just I had to get that out. I had to get that out on people like showing because like it's like you you like you shit on a thing, a certain, you know, like a uh, something we all covet that we're all you know grown up loving MLB and then like the Hall of Fame. You know, Cooperstown is like it's a, it's a whole like a like a like a holy place to go for baseball fans. And then you go, oh, I don't want to be in it anymore. Take me off the ballot. Screw it. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to respect the rules. You got to respect the sanctity of the rules and everything. And how it's it's like a you know, it's you know, things change. Hey, man, things change, brother. You're 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 obsolete almost. Yeah, it's like sense. it's like oh I don't care, yeah. I don't I want to be off the ballot. Da, da, da. You do care, and all right, yeah, I know he does, and you know shame on the writer, the writers, man. like the fact that seventy one percent of them was like all right, like I don't care. I Kurt yeah. Schilling is like you know a walking turd bucket, but you know like I'm gonna vote for him anyway. But the writers suck now too, though. The they writers do. suck. They... The next generation, the next generations are all about just start like kind of like starting stirring the shit they're kind of like the ones who like just to say something and then like watch correct me you agree or not where like they kind of like put something out there and then they want to see like the reaction it's very reactionary all right so here we are with our next bachelor update okay so uh episode four of the bachelor aired this week um shok uh you got a chance to watch it in your busy schedule, you got to watch it. Um, yep. Finally, what'd you think? Finally, it was cool. They dropped five more bros on him, man. Like, they, they keep hey, giving him so when, when are they going to drop Yeah, but Yeah, so like, yeah. So it was 20. When the episode started, it was 20. And the show started off at 24. So now he's like, all right, I got this out of the way. All right. Whoa, we got five more. Hey, <laughs> like, all right, let's go for it, man. Yeah. Uh, so that's basically what how like the beginning of it was. But according to the producers, they said that. See, this is the thing when you finally get a black bachelor. They said they had a record number of women submit. Um. I guess they're auditions or whatever to be on The Bachelor. So, it, it, like, you know, this this brother this brother brought brought the women. I was just like, all right, well, I, we have to get more and more women on here. Like, we, it's cool, and yeah. I think it's cool that they did that. The fact that it was like, all right, like, listen, we we have to put this out there. Like, all of these women were interested on coming on the show because you were The Bachelor, and. You know, we had instead of just turning them down, like we're putting them on here, and like, you know, it, it's cool. I just thought that that was like really nice. Yeah, it was like if I was a probably a producer, I'd be like the conveyor belt of just like packages of women, just like nudies and stuff. I'm just like, ah. uh, their diaries and stuff. Like, oh my god, yeah. Sw- swimming in, 
But uh, yeah, so they had the first they had a cocktail. They had like a, the group date, right? The beginning of it was group date. Yeah. We still have Victoria is like the heel of the season. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, she's she's what, what's she's a bad guy. She, I mean, well, I guess she's there for the the narrative. Um, cause like they like her and Matt don't even like have their date. I think they first they they had their first like little one on one thing in this episode. So, um, some of the women like he sent home. I'm just like you sent her home, but you're keeping on uh, Victoria. But you know, it's it's TV reality reality tv so they kind of have to if everything was all hunky-dory it would be boring um so they need victoria and then victoria kind of came out like my favorite my favorite katie yeah they had to sit down and they kind of like um they i think they know that they're like kind of like wait katie's your favorite oh yeah katie's been my number one each each episode so obviously we're gonna clash them together yeah, they're gonna put them together and like have a uh, create a feud. Cause I'm looking at this from my point of view of like you know a wrestling thing. Like, yeah, because who, um, do want, who do you want on TV? Cause um, what was it? Anna? Anna? She um, one of the new girls. Uh, I guess they ran in the same circles, and she tried to like insinuate that um, that the girl was like a escort or like a sugar baby and stuff like that and it was kind of like unfounded um, sex worker uh, I don't think they said anything about sex it was just like the person you know who guys like they kind of pay for it for just to to um hang out with them and stuff you know things I, I can't afford but you know Anna she's like cute but like she talks with her teeth like she closes her teeth but she doesn't close her mouth that's kind of like a weird thing because like I, I i like a weird shit about teeth teeth yeah like i don't like and looking at people weird. i don't like looking at people's teeth um Me either. what do you when you look at someone when you look at a woman mm-hmm. what do you look at first like the your forehead eyes nose what do you look uh, at just the face Oh, the face, yeah. like if your face is like you know, makes a shape that I find attractive. I don't know. That song was weird as hell to say. Um, but yeah, like she, she told, she told, she like she's cute, like, but she, she, she finishes every sentence and she's like, I think she's uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck are you doing? I've never seen you. That I'm just, like I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to imitate her. She's like. I heard from. Uh, <laughs> Will you pay for that? Three. I heard from people that email me, and they said she's <laughs> a sugar baby. <laughs> just... Jesus Christ! <laughs> hey man, if, if that's like, hey, that's the same amount of money probably for uh, a semester of fucking uh, pre med, man. Like, listen, Anna, Anna, <laughs> if you're listening. And you ever can you, can you hear me? You ever want to ride King the King the car? Uh, you don't gotta go to Great Adventures if you uh, pass through the Bronx. <laughs> I'm just let you know, but that shit you do with your teeth. 
I was trying to do. I was trying to do my. I was trying to do a Magic Mountain. Uh, was it Space Mountain? That, that, no, 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 yeah. I was trying well, to do the Rick Spears. Shug, Shug, Shug went very, very northeastern, right? He went very, very uh, Great Adventure northeastern on you, Kingman. Come, on. no one knows what Kingman. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. No one knows what that is. Uh, geez, uh, that was my favorite funny. shit. You ever, you uh, ever seen that on the Legends of Wrestling? Or um on WWE when they have like the have, panel and they always have um yeah I have one of them over here. They'd have Ric Flair on it. And he's always he always does his face on thing. And he's like you know I always used to tell the woman like you know hey you know you don't gotta drive down to Florida. You could just go to this uh Marriott on this Marriott over here in um Atlanta and I could, could take you to Space Mountain. And it's like every episode. The funny thing is it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has to get it in. The 80s. I have him over here. Yo, there's a funny bit about that too, also, where he's like, he leans back and he's like, you know what? You know, I always talk about sex. It's not always about sex. It's always about having a good time with you boys. He's, he was like, like, it was like the, uh, I think, I, I don't like I have it anymore, but it was uh, the either the Ric Flair DVD from 2001 or 2002 and or the Four Horsemen one. He's like, it's not about getting sex. Of course, it always he's like, of course, it always came down to that. But the main thing was if it happened, it happened, but it was all about the boys, you know, it was all about going out and having a good time. But um Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so Kinika, yes. We, we all know that. Um Yeah, so it's kinda like building up to this thing where it's gonna be about like bullying and um kinda like, you know, little cat catty you know women getting catty we talked about it a little bit uh when they were having like their little group sessions uh at the resort or whatever when they would would talk about stuff um right so the first one did it did chelsea got the uh the group date rose right uh, right. yes yes and i actually wanted so to that was one because i wanted to talk about two episodes on one usually actually the two people i got um the two people i got the group dates and got the group date roses um yes michelle she's the one who got the second one and brie uh, my second one is that's my that's my second one so chelsea is the first one she um, she actually got the, she has her hair, she has a short, like the bald haircut. So she explained how like growing up, she, you know, as a black girl, all her friends were white. So she always used to like straighten her hair and she kind of felt uncomfortable wearing her hair natural. And I was just watching and I was thinking, and mind you, as I've said, I've never watched a bachelor before, but I'm pretty sure this is not a conversation that a bachelor has had with a contestant on the bachelor ever you know it was cool to have like these real like seeing this black man talk to this black woman and her talking about her experiences as a black woman and then later on in the show one of the girls that were new um michelle i actually have her in my notes as the black girl from minnesota because every time i think about black people in minnesota unfortunately before the events of the summer i was you know i always think about the chris rocky like, ain't no black people in Minnesota. The only black people in Minnesota are Prince and Kirby Puckett. And unfortunately, both of them mm-hmm. are no longer with us. But somebody else yeah. who's no longer it's with us and is associated with Minnesota, George Floyd. Um, ah, well, yes. she's, yeah, very true. 
Michelle, she's a teacher up there in Minnesota, and I guess she she teaches um, in a black school, in a primarily black school, and she just talked to Matt about, like, you know, the trials and tribulations of, like, relating to black kids and trying to explain to them, like, what happened with George Floyd and, you know, just the real world, and it's it's something true. And something that's not discussed, you know, like the educate, you know, people who don't give educators enough credit because you don't just teach like, you know, shit in the books, like as things are happening, things need to be explained. Like I always tell the story about how like on September 11th, I went to the school and it was like a really, really bad school. So once, you know, the buildings were being attacked and stuff like that, the announcements were being, um, the PA announcements came through, came through and like nobody heard them because we were all being wild and crazy, dumbass kids. And the teachers um never really like relayed the shit to us. I mean, it could have been our fault too, because we were loud and they probably couldn't even pay attention to the shit either. And it wasn't until we went home that we found out, like, you know, yo, this is happening. Oh, Not only that, but like looking up in the sky and seeing like smoke. Um yeah. I think, yeah, it came up with me. I think we brought this up a couple episodes ago, but yeah. So, like, the teacher left. I told you I heard the, I heard the jet, and I made the joke about... Someone made the joke, and I laughed about the Russians are attacking, because we heard the jets go by, and we heard, like, the noises and shit, the sonic booms of, like, the jets. And uh, people started leaving one by one. Um, no, but uh, when I took, the, I took the bus home, like, the local bus, and it was, like, you know, like a 10-minute bus ride, um... And then the person in front of me, I'm like this, I'm all nervous. Cause like right before I left, my friend was said something happened. Like I, I assumed it was like this. Uh in the lunchroom, one of the moms that we call them, I thought it went like this. And like everything was gone. So I thought like everyone was dead. I was like, yeah. oh, there you go. My parents are dead. Cause my dad my dad was a bus driver and uh, my mom was in like 14th Street. I was like, oh, it's over. So then like then when I'm on the bus and I'm looking at the person who's like the the lady who does the um like the office work and she's just like staring at me and i'm like i'm looking at her i'm like what the hell's going on? like there's no phones back then yeah so she she gotta have to explain i guess she was talking to matt about how she had to like explain to the kids like what you know what, what happened with george floyd and why um you know the protests and the different stuff like that were happening um at that time so it was you know that and his conversation with chelsea i'm like you know this black man talking to these black women you know, that's something you didn't see on a bachelor before. And like, I don't know, maybe like middle America or stuff like that. They probably were turned off by it. But like me as a person of color watching out, I was like, all right, like I'm really appreciated of this, appreciative of this. And like, I kind of hope like a lot of people who don't know about the black experience looked at that. I was like, oh, so that's, that's what that's like. You know what I'm saying? Especially like with Chelsea. Cause you always got that thing with black women. I hear it from my sister a lot where, you know, you go through this world and it's like, you know, you go to work or you go to this place and that place and like people are like, can I touch your hair and, and all that shit. I don't remember that, you know, as you've seen through this pandemic, my hair, how it grows and stuff like that. So when I was a kid, I used to have people like, can I touch your hair? Why? Oh, your hair looks nice. Da-da-da. Like, can I touch it? And I used to, 
kind of entertain that shit. And like, as an adult, like I'm realizing, like nobody should be touching your fucking hair. Like I've never seen like a white person. Yeah. Like Mike, I never said, Mike, can I, can I like run my fingers through your hair? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? It's weird. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that's weird. You know, I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen that. I've seen that shit. I've seen that shit. Like, you know, when I was younger, I think I like, I don't know, like, someone I was with was like, they had the kind of like dreadlocks or whatever, and they were like t- people touching and all that's weird. And then like more recently, I seen, oh my god, like, because like uh, obviously someone had um extensions and stuff, and then people were like complimenting it, complimenting it, but like bringing attention, like all right, just let it go, like. Yeah, that's the thing about this. She's in middle America, like people being put off by possibly potentially, but would you prefer it be no one knows? And then someone who's younger, they they're watching, and then it just becomes normal, normalizing it. If that's a, that's a that's a weird word to say. That's a weird term to use, but just like so then like someone who grows up, like who grew up with people in real life, not watching on TV, but in real life people that watch it only on tv then they just like it's like normal to them and then it's not like a whole like oh my god this is exotic oh my god let me touch your hair you know like is that the is that a good is that a good uh result of a show like this for people that live in in an area that's like you know you you don't have relationships with people people before well they do but just don't they're not in a personal there's still there's a stigma of hanging out with them and shit like that. I'm pretty sure you know that's obviously still going on. You know yeah. what I mean? Is it is it better just to get it through it virtually? Because how everything we do now, I'm trying to do like a 2020 wrap up, but 2021, you know, like uh, you know what I mean? I'm trying to like. I mean, I've said it several times in the episode. This is why representation matters. Like growing up as a kid in St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands. Mike, you could look up the demographics. Like, the shit is 90% black. You know how I got to know white people and how I got to the level where I'm like, oh, white people aren't dangerous and, like, not every white person is bad and shit like that is from TV. Because you see them on TV, you've seen good white people on TV, you've seen bad white people on TV. Whereas, like, for many, many years, it's like, you see black people on TV, like, more often than not, they're, like, the thug sort of bad guy or or if it's a woman like she's loose or she's ugly or or she's fat or she's sassy or something like that so i think like having those conversations on a bachelor is important and i think that's great the fact that you have a first black you have the first black bachelor and like he's actually having conversations about being black like you've had two black bachelorettes like I've said, ended up picking white men. And I'm pretty sure on those episodes, it, they never talk about the experience of being a black woman, you know, or, or being black women. Whereas like Matt from the first episode, he has to sit down and talk about, well, you know what? My mom's white, my dad's black. So I feel, I don't want to feel compelled to pick somebody specifically because of their race. And then you see this conversation where he's having these two women, these two beautiful women. I don't think every single one, the exception of Victoria, I think all of these women are like gorgeous. And these are women, Hispanic, uh, like Brie. I think Brie is half black and half Middle Middle Eastern. 
MJ, um, like White, found her. Like all these women are like gorgeous. Like Katie, like she's my favorite, and she's white. Um, and it was like you know to talk about Katie, like she, like I said, she's she's been my favorite. Like honestly, Mike, like I'm gonna say this right now. Like I almost want him not to pick her. So that way I know like she's single and available because she is awesome. Like if I was on that show, I think I said it in last week's episode, I was like, I would have ended the show early the same way this chick did. But apparently um, her and the guy she picked, like they broke up. Um, But if I was a bachelor, I was like mid like mid-season, I would have been like, yeah, I'll pick her. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see the point in wasting any of these other girls time like she's she's cool like she showed up the first day with the vibrator and like victoria tried to press her on the vibrator thing too and she 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 stood her ground she was like yeah i brought my vibrator because i'm confident in myself like i was just like this is awesome and then the, the fact that she stood up for um for sarah after sarah had to leave to spend time with her dad you know, she stood up for her in front of um to Victoria and also the other girls in the house who were kind of like, oh, she's gone. Da, da, da. She wasn't here for, for Matt, blah, 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 blah. And she was like, she's basically like, I kind of related to it. She was like, all right, she's gone. Like, there's no need to insult her and all that stuff. And I'm just like, the fact that like she stood up and then on top of that, she, when the whole thing came out about the, the girl, um Brittany who was the one um that Anna tried to say was like an escort and stuff and that kind of rumor got spread out like she was the one she ran outside I think like Matt was talking to the producers and she pulled them to the side and she was like listen like these girls are getting catty and it's really like toxic in there and she like she like jumped in front of it and I was like just really really like impressed by her like she's my number one like I was gonna ask you about that yeah. yeah, I was going to ask you about that because, uh, all right, so, you know, uh, Katie's the one who brought it up and everything, and people are saying that she's trying to get attention, and then a lot of the people that are, like, fans, like, on Twitter, they're, like, kind of saying that she's trying to, like, eh, doing kind of, like, an opposite of Victoria, like, kind of, like, getting her shit in to be the nice one, shit, and then that's going to backfire on her, you know, like, that. that's what, you know, the thing that from this week, you gotta remember this is reality tv and it's like there's fans and they have their own fucking theories and shit um but you know that that's just thing i uh what i got from uh i wanted to hear from like uh, people that have seen all the other shows too we were watching it from a different scope we we're watching it from a different lens but yeah so what do you think is going to happen with um like going forward at least week or two week or two because uh at this point um i think we're probably like 10 percent through it only or 10 or 15 percent through the season depending on how it goes you never know um so what's your uh prediction for next week Mm, i think the whole bullying thing is gonna come to a head and i could see anna i could see anna being the one that that kind of gets sent home or kind of getting the like brunt of it. I could kind of see, and I'm kind of seeing like Victoria kind of pushing, pushing the narrative about like the you know, the the girl Brittany, 
but Anna being the one to kind of like fall on the sword, like she's kind of like using her, like kind of her, kind of her, like kind of like you know being a puppet master, the whole thing, and like Anna kind of unwittingly falling for it, and it was kind of like a kind of like a, a weird change in like character because I thought Anna was like cool, I thought she was pretty, I thought she was cool. Like I said, the only shit I don't like about her is the teeth thing. Uh, but you are who you are. If you do, if you do that, you do, you do that. Maybe it's like your your thing. Um, but for her to be yeah, like, I'm nice. yeah, for her to be like that, like, uh, um, kind of like, like I said, catty. Like I understand, like five new girls came in, but like, I mean, that kind of like saves you. Um, I kind of like let you stay on for like a couple, like a, an extra week, because he could only send home. He could only send home, but so many girls. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, and I heard there's like the whole thing about the um, Matt's parents, like Matt's dad and stuff. Like that came up too as well, right? We talk, you know, we talk about that. How there's rumors of uh, uh Matt's uh dad showing up on the next episode. I was, on, I was on the forums. Oh, I didn't see. So, yeah, I, I didn't see that in the previews. But if, if that happens, okay. So yeah, so we fly because we seen his mom. Because yeah, I'm not. We didn't see his dad. Yeah, so that's why. So I watched a uh, just full disclosure. I was watching a uh, fan review thing, and that's they, when I started watching it. That's why I saw the end of Bachelorette the previous one because usually like hosting a thing for fans and shit so i was like oh you i was confused i was like what the fuck is this so then that's why i brought it up but um yeah um same with me with big brother i like finding out like what fans are saying and like uh post i mean um previous contestants and uh people involved in the show have to say about it uh because of course you have you you're watching the show for a reason i'm watching the show from like a production thing too like i want to know how they get these shows together like especially in a time like now so so i, I always like uh, on twitter i find out like weird um backstage stuff that i find interesting to me how they, the way they film it yeah and like the last thing i'm gonna say i want to get it in before we head into the final thoughts like the boxing that's cool as hell because that would have been a fly ass event if i was a bachelor because me i like a woman i could throw a punch and like some of these johns were like landing them and they they could throw like like a mean hook so that would have been one of my favorite events so i was kind of cool that they um they did that in in, in this episode and my <laughs> the fact that i might have to stop he's like yo they're gonna get hurt like this was all fun against but like oh um, i think it was serena p like she caught one square in the nose and he had to like help her ice her nose and yeah i really like that segment you ever even fight you ever any two people fight over you like that oh man i wish perhaps there has been perhaps you wish <laughs> perhaps Perhaps it has verbal jousting. I'm, I'm 30, so I can't remember all, all my all my conquests. Perhaps they have. 
Yo, shout out. Yo, anybody who's been with me before and you fought a chick, let me know. Hotline's open. 1-800-223-9797. Hot 97, please and hip-hop and R&B, y'all. <laughs> Boom. Funk Master Flex Night. Funk Master Flex Night. Final thoughts. Okay. So we were talking about Euphoria, uh, special episode number two with Jules. This all came about because of circumstances that arose in 2020. So typically you would have a show, you know, like the fall and then like it would end in the spring. You'd have like 20, 20 episodes, 22 episodes. Then it cut, got cut down to 10, like with like Sopranos. It was like, you know, then eventually it was like 10 episodes. And then eventually they would make shows when they wanted to make shows. It, they weren't forced to the same old uh, time frames and scheduling. Um, but with uh, streaming, things have changed, and then also with 2020, uh, production shut down for mo- uh, half the year, so uh, they were able to uh, the creators and the producers of of uh, Euphoria were able to get an hour and a half of new 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 content out there. And it, they did it in a clever way where it was in like one-on-one shots, almost a play, monologues. You could have filmed the whole thing with one person. And the one we, we talked about today was with Jules. Uh, I thought it was wonderfully done. Uh, I was, I, I prefer two over one. I think it was the opposite maybe with uh, my partner. Uh, but I just thought it was more interesting because I didn't know that much about the character as much as uh Zendaya's character though because she was you know 80 percent or 75 percent of the season one so I thought that was interesting and the way they did it was great um and it's always on it's always great to learn more about uh people's experiences that I didn't know that much about um speaking and like Jules is a trans trans uh trans person trans woman trans person um and you have to just, you know, just, uh, you, know, you, find, you find out more things about people that it's very similar to you. I have, a, I have very similar thoughts as her, like, you know, like, you know, I had nothing to do with that, but it was just like, all right, it's all at the very essence of it. It's very, very similar. And then on the other hand, we talked about Chris Schilling. Chris Schilling had a lot of Possibly just like tweets, memes on his Facebook, anti-trans, you know, anti-anti-transphobic uh, stuff, and we were trying to figure out if does that affect his Hall of Fame career, things he does on on the field, and things you say post your career, or even during your career, does that affect your eligibility to? A, defi- a defined standard of what it means to be a Hall of Famer. Because if that, if it doesn't matter, like why are you playing baseball? Just for the money and just for like the entertainment and stuff? I think a lot of sports fans, baseball fans, we hold it to a higher higher de- uh, degree. It's like, you know, we can just, you know, hey, do whatever you want. We talk about steroids too. Uh, bucket. Just take all the juice you want and let's get some home runs and stuff. No, we need integrity. We talk about integrity uh, 
a few weeks ago too with uh, the Eagles. Um, there should be a standard, um, and the people who are the gatekeepers, I guess, you know, because we always talk about gatekeepers too. Um, you should have uh, ability to. You don't want someone in your house who's uh, who's not welcome by most of the people in, in, in the house, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, so that's it. That's why we can get into it more, but uh, I already said my piece. Uh, the Bachelor, um, I find it very fascinating uh, hearing Shug, you talk about Bachelor because uh, I'm watching it and I'm watching just like oh, okay I'm watching whatever and I think you 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 see you see it a little differently for me and I found that very fascinating like I'm like okay yeah I just see two people there and I'm like all right yeah hmm, okay so now next episode I watch I'm gonna actually um I'm gonna like uh make is it all right if I like hey I wonder what she thinks about this can I watch it like that or is that weird no, that's cool. The Jewels episode. Um you know, maybe I might gotta rewatch it to to um to to kinda appreciate it. I do I, I think I still would prefer the first one. All in all, I'm just waiting for a second season because I miss everybody. I miss, you know, um as I said, Alexa to me. Uh Need some Alexa to me in my life. Mm-hmm. I need some Sydney Sweeney back in my life. Both of them. Oh man, same time. All right, I digress. <laughs> I need some Fez. Um, the little boy that I used to hang out with Fez. I used to sell drugs with him. Um, <laughs> I need everybody, man. I need uh, I even need Nate. I'm kind of missing Nate and his weird um, because I'm still trying to figure out him. Uh, he's a tough nut to crack. Um, and please, can this season can we have some more? Um, what's her name? Uh, Judd Apatow's daughter. That was like probably the most interesting character mm. on there because she was like the most fucking normal. Um, I need some more of her. Um, and you know, Kurt Schilling. And you know, it ain't even just about Kurt Schilling. Kurt, it's kind of, it's kind of like when, like, yeah, the the enemy. I mean, I don't even say the enemy of your enemy is your best friend, is is your friend. Um, I'll just say it's just like the whole Hall of Fame process is is fucked all the way around. Um, you know, it doesn't reward people for using PEDs, but at the same time like people who could have been great with PEDs, i.e. Don Mattingly, um, a few other um, players, like they, they kind of get shut out. But at the same time, like there's a lot of people that used or have been suspected of using PEDs, um, some that it wasn't even like founded, like Gary Sheffield. Like people kept him on our Hall of Fame. He hit 500 home runs. He almost had 3,000 hits. He was like a great hitter. I think he won like a batting title through one World Series, um, and played for a good amount of years. After they started testing for PEDs, and never tested positive for it. Um, and he's not a Hall of Famer, so the whole process is kind of 
flawed. I don't even know how you would fix it. Like I said, I think like baseball just needs like these these um young stat nerds. Like I don't need to hear from like Bob Ryan or any of these like old like curmudgeon ass like you know uh latently racist or whatever else they are um white dudes like i want to hear from like at least young white dudes like dudes that write for like fan graphs like have them like have some input in the hall of fame and who gets in and who who doesn't um but kurt Schilling, i mean listen i think when you accomplish great things uh you know it goes kind of the most famous comic book quote with great power, with great power comes great responsibility. I think if you accomplish great things and you want to be recognized for, for great things, you want to be recognized for great things like universally. And if you become a person that doesn't see, um, um, you know, a person from Afghanistan or a Muslim person or Islamic a person who believes in the Islamic faith as a person. You don't see a person who's a trans man or a trans woman as a person. You don't see a gay man or a gay woman as a person. You don't see an immigrant as a person. Like, your appreciation goes lower and lower and lower and lower. Um, and you, you kind of, you, you reap what you sow. Um... And it's interesting because, like I said, like Kurt Schilling is somebody who, you know, stopped the Yankees from winning the 2001 World Series. I already gave my thoughts on the 2004 ALCS. I won't talk about the catch-up sock game, but, you know, he stopped us from doing that. So I already had, like, a hate for that person. But at the same time, like, when he worked for ESPN and he was analyzing baseball, like, I was like, wow, like, he – he's actually like really knowledgeable about the sport and he bases his career. Like his, I think he named one of his sons, Garrett, his uh, Twitter handle is Garrett, Garrett 38 or 37 or whatever the hell it is. Um, Like, do you think Lou Gehrig would accept Kurt Schilling as who he was, if he was alive? Like if that's supposed to be a hero, you know, shouldn't you have lived up to the standards of the Iron Horse? And I don't think Kurt Schilling has done that. Um, the Bachelor, I'm going to keep watching. It's great. Comes out the same day as um these episodes usually do. So hopefully people get to listen to them before you watch the new episode. It's, it's intriguing. Every episode to me has gotten better and better. Um. It's, it's, it's interesting, like, as much as we don't like Victoria, it's kind of like General Hospital for me. Like, even though I don't like this person, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of interested to see what this person does. Um, and last thing about that, Katie, if Matt did not pick you, slide in my DMs or can I slide in yours? Mm-hmm. Like, you're fine and you're, like, wonderful. Like, I re- I'm really, like, infatuated with her. Like, I'm going to be disappointed. Um if she doesn't go far, like, I hope, like, she's at least, like, one of the last few that's left, if not the one that gets picked. I kind of hope she doesn't get picked, so she's, like, I know she's available, but that's neither here nor there. That's just um wishful thinking, but this has been episode 37 of Shug Me The Mooney.
We got more and more stuff coming out. Mike's got the YouTube coming out. Mike, you got any more announcements before we leave about the show? Yeah, we got a shit ton of uh, YouTube exclusives coming out this week. Um, and I was laughing watching me talk to you. And my girlfriend came in the room. She's like, what are you laughing at? I'm like, oh, I'm laughing at myself. <laughs> oh, me and my, you know, really. I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Yeah, but no, we were charming. We were charming SOBs, man. Very funny stuff coming out, man. It's the yeah, stuff I forgot about the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I feel the same way when we watch our stuff. And today, mm-hmm. as this episode is being uploaded, I have my first set of Black History episodes of the Black Seeds. It's a three-part series. The first one is dropping today. I talk about the first African-American baseball player, and it's not who you think it is. Anyways, episode 37 of Shug Me the Mooney. Shug Me the Mooney. Shug Me the Mooney.